Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church Podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. Hey, good morning. Thank you back there. I appreciate you. Good job. It's good to have you here and uh, want to thank you for coming to the Vine. I'm John Adams, one of our pastors here at the Vine. And we are in a series in the book of Romans. And as we come to today's uh, word for this passage, we're reminded that a common objection to Christianity is this, that the church of Jesus is filled with hypocrites. Weren't you looking forward to that message today? You see, no one likes to be called a hypocrite. I don't like it, and you don't. And neither did the Jewish leaders to whom Paul brought a scathing rebuke. Here in this passage we're going to see today, not once does he say the word hypocrite, but it's clear he's calling out these Jewish leaders who were outward and keeping God's laws, but inward their hearts were far from God. No one can see your hearts today. No, I can't see your heart. I don't have that power. I wished I did in some ways. But no one can see your heart except for God. So where is your heart in relationship to God today? Are you humbly pleading, Lord, come change me from the inside out? You see... uh, As we look at this definition for hypocrite today, we see that uh, a hypocrite is, is just someone whose behaviors don't match their beliefs. And we all struggle with this, right? This is hard because, uh, as you know, the, the term hypocrite comes from the Greek uh, tragedy world, and it, it was actually uh, to, meant, uh, used to describe the mask that an actor would wear to portray and pretend to do their part in the play. It was play acting. It was pretending. It was acting. You know, uh, my kids love to play at our house. I have six grandkids. And um, one of the things they like to do is dress up and be superheroes or animals. So I thought I'd show you one of the things that they like uh, like to wear, one of the masks. Here it is. I don't know what animal this is. You guys can tell me. I'm going with owl. Raccoon, maybe. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, we uh, religion, religion is all about wearing a mask. It's all like on the outside, and it's kind of acting, pretending. And the reason why Jesus, the Savior, came was to strip you and me of the mask that we wear and to come work deeply in our hearts. It's not about what you look on the outside, what you've done, your works. It's all about Christ and his work. Are you living for him? Are you aligning your behaviors, are they aligning with your beliefs? 
And so today, as we come to God's word this morning, may he strip our masks and take away the performance and cause us to come humbly and boldly to Jesus and his work alone. And we're going to see from our passage today that relying on what you do blinds us to our hypocrisy. That's a hard word today. But before you go, I want you not to walk away with a spirit of condemnation, but of hope and joy, because we'll see today that it's not about our work. God's grace is so much better than anything we could ever do. Glory to his name. And so let's look at God's word. We're in Romans chapter 2 and verse number 17. Paul writes the amazing, the wonderful, rich, sovereign word of God. Listen, hear, and invite your heart to be changed today. But if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast in God and know his will and approve what is excellent because you are instructed from the law. And if you are sure that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in the darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of children, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, you then, who teach others, do you not teach yourself? While you preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law dishonor God by breaking the law. For as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. And as I shared earlier, we're going to look at relying on what we do blinds us to our hypocrisy. And the first way it blinds us is this. We don't see our heart issues. Verse 17 through 20, again, let me read that as well so that you can soak in God's word a bit more. But if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast in God and know his will and approve what is excellent because you are instructed from the law, if you are sure that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of children, having the law, in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth. You see, no one kept the law better than the Jewish leaders. They relied on both their heritage from the past, all the way going back to Abraham, who God chose to come into a land that he did not know where he was going, and he made a great nation out of Abraham. And then Year, centuries later, they were, were there in, uh, in Egypt and released as had been slaves for 430 years. Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt and into the promised land, now known as the land of Israel. 
And so as we look at this, the religious leaders, like for example, a group called the Pharisees, they were meticulous in keeping God's laws. They kept 613 daily laws. How would you like on your to-do list in your phone, a checkoff list of 613 daily dues? Come on, I mean, that was ridiculous. Who can keep these kinds of laws? And these Jews were so clear that they wanted to be holy and pursue God by their works. But they had a huge, glaring problem. And the question is, do we have the same in some of our hearts today? They lived in outward conformity to the law of God, but in their hearts, they were far from him. Matthew 15, 8, quoting Isaiah, the prophet says, the people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. You see, outward conformity to the law of God <laughs> only is not what God desires. He wants your, you, my heart. He wants our affections. He wants to know you. He wants you to know him. But you see, the Jewish leaders of that day focused on their works and not God's. As a result, they lacked gratitude and delight in their relationship with him. You know, my wife, Lizanne, one of her favorite flowers is tulips. So if I came home with an armful of yellow tulips, which she actually adores today, and she goes, oh, John, thank you so much. Why did you bring this? What's special? Why did you do this for me? And I said to her, well, I had to. You're my wife, and that's what husbands do. Not so good, huh? <laughs> it won't convince her of my love. It won't woo her heart. You see, God doesn't want just your, your dutiful tulips. <laughs> Your dutiful works. He wants your heart. He desires your very life. And you know what? How tiring and how, how wearisome it is when we work in performance and just outward conformity to God's laws. There's no peace or joy or rest in that. But we see in God's word... Um, <clears throat> where um, Jeremiah the prophet and throughout the Old Testament continually said, God wants your heart. He wants to know you and for you to rejoice in relationship with him. For example, Jeremiah 9, 23 says, Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts boast in this that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord clearly the word 
God through the prophet Jeremiah speaks here is that we are to know God. And this word is not just a word that's like knowing kind of enough information about God. The Pharisees were replete with factoids about God and his kingdom. He's talking about not just an intellectual faith, but an experiential faith from the heart. We know and love and desire our very affections, long for knowing God and being in a personal, intimate, growing relationship with him. And yet it's so easy for us when we get into religion to slip into a kind of spiritual pride. Pride itself blinds us and, and, and to our sin. And, and we at that time then kind of want to look better than others or better than we really do. And we can wear masks to kind of hide our sin or pretend that we're better than we are. And it might be very external things. It could be the way you dress or the way you're, you're consumed by the way you look on the outside. Or you, you, you care a lot about your kid's behavior. Or does any, do any of you compare yourself to others? You see, when you compare yourself to others, you are not living in a relationship of knowing God from the heart. You're focusing at that moment on your works, on your efforts, on something of you and not of him. C.S. Lewis uh, just really articulately describes this kind of spiritual pride that causes us to live an external religion He writes, there is one vice of which no man in the world is free, which everyone in the world loathes when he sees it in someone else and of which hardly any people except Christians ever imagine that they are guilty themselves. There is no fault which makes a man more unpopular and no fault with which we are more unconscious of in ourselves. And the more we have it ourselves, the more we dislike it in others. According to Christian teachers, the essential vice, the utmost evil is pride. Unchastity, anger, greed, drunkenness, and all that are mere flea bites in comparison. It was through pride that the devil became the devil. Pride leads to every other vice. It is the complete anti-God state of mind. You see, are you comparing yourself to others? And when we do so, it's easy for us to be blinded by our pride, which leads either to a failure to to see the great work of God, and it causes us to either feel either one of two things, typically. Either we feel superior to others. Have you felt that? or we feel completely inferior to others. We either feel like, hey, we're doing pretty well compared to the the curve of Christians, or we feel condemned and worthless, like we'll never catch up, we'll never be like X person. Either way is a false pride. 
And God calls us to a faith that is moving and working deeply in our hearts. You see, when we fail to see the hard issues, we can fall into hypocrisy. Sometimes we don't even recognize it clearly that it's going on. We don't see it because we're blinded to it. But secondly, our focusing on our own works blinds us and, and we don't see our inconsistent behavior. Verse 21 through 23, Paul goes on, you then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? While you preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? Here in verses 21 through 22, Paul is asking four rhetorical questions that, that demand a clear yes. That is the answer because the religious Jews preach strong sermons about stealing, they, uh, about committing adultery, about worshiping idols, and yet as we've seen, their hearts were not moved by the saving love and work of God. Therefore, when they tried to keep these commandments, and these are, this is summarizing the Ten Commandments. There are three of the big ten, if you will. They failed both in their hearts and then in their practices. You see, when you teach or live one way and you live another, you and I will begin to cover up and hide. That's the way that we begin to live. And then we become really good at it at covering up and there's our sin and making excuses for it. And then we begin to live an outward, rule-keeping way of life, but our hearts are actually deceived and full of pride, and our lives actually reflect it, but we don't see it. We're blind to it. And the religious leaders of Jesus' day were blind to the inconsistent behavior that they had. Romans 2.23, you who boast in the law dishonor God by breaking the law. The Jews, like many of us, they had a great spiritual privileges. We see this in verses 17 through 20 of this passage. And yet they, they failed to practice with hearts aligned with God's work, his, his grace as we know it. And here's the difference. You know, we, we, I believe that this is a warm, caring church. This is a genuine church, many of you. But here's the deal is we, we, we can also live in hypocrisy when we don't recognize our sin. You see, um, the spiritual leaders of Jesus', Jesus Day and Paul's Day, they lived in unrecognized, unrepentant hypocrisy. Are you conscious of your sin? Or when we repent at communion, are you thinking more of other sin? Yeah, that's just one way to think about it. Are you rep repenting and recognizing and turning and saying, God, kill my sin. Please kill it and cause me to love you more from the heart. Like Christ's followers today, God commanded these Jewish leaders that they live in such ways as to bring light 
to the Gentiles, which the Gentiles was another name for all the other nations outside of the Jewish people, to, to bring them out of darkness and into God's light, his sa- which means, in essence, into his saving love to know God, to be changed and warmed and empowered by God himself. Jesus taught later on in the New Testament in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapters 5 through 7, that we are called to be witnesses to God's saving love. And and the passage I'm about to read is right after he goes through the Beatitudes and he calls the people out to say, you've got to repent. You've You've got to turn from your heart. Religion, he says in essence, Some of the same things Paul is saying today in Romans 2. He's saying religion is not from your outward self. It is your inward heart that must be changed. The distinctive thing of Christians is we become different because God works inside of us first and then causes all of our works to flow from the heart. And so he comes then to the the effects of what God does when he works in hearts of his followers in Matthew 5, 14, he says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and give light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and Give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You see, we are called to shine God's light to people who are spiritually far from him because our hearts are changing by Christ and his work. So how are you doing with that? Do you see evidence where God is shining his light through you to your friends who are far from him. If you never got to tell your co-workers or neighbors or friends who are not Christ followers that you're a Christian, would they assume that you were one in the way that you live? Do they see Christ in you? And then flowing through you. This is a hard question. Because we know we are, all of us, it's convicting. It's all, we're far from perfect. And yet, growing in this. Longing for him to change us from the inside out. That our witness, that our life might be attractive and might be like light to those who are in the darkness. You see, as we hear so many sermons and as we were talking about just a couple of weeks ago and read his word and connect in life groups and study groups and we gather here for worship on Sunday mornings, regularly, these are not checkoffs to say, God, here I do these works so that I can be approved. No, we do these works because God has approved us. He says, you are mine. And so now from our heart, we love to do works to shine his light 
It's our heart being changed in that way. And so that more and more that our behaviors are matching our beliefs. You see, the third way we are blinded to our hypocrisy is this. We don't see the seriousness of our sin. Verse 24, for as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Now, remember, the Jewish leaders, they spent their life growing up, learning the, the Ten Commandments. Again, we said earlier that they, they had hundreds of daily commandments they kept. They were meticulous about this, and especially about protecting the name of God. How do we know that? Here's how. You remember that the Jewish people, as guided by their teachers, the leaders, they would not even say the primary name of God, Yahweh, out loud for fear that they would somehow dishonor God or say it in an inappropriate fashion. Do you see how much they cared for the name literally of God? And yet, because of their hearts, Paul writes here, you who so meticulously guard God's name, God, guard God's name. You are blaspheming the name of God, his character. You see, our sin is worse than we imagined. And we struggle with hypocrisy as well. And yet there is hope. Thanks be to him. Christianity does not stand and fall based on the work of any person. Christianity stands and falls on the person of Jesus alone and his work. Jesus. Jesus was the perfect one. There was no hypocrisy in him. He wore no masks because he was the only person in history that had ever lived perfectly with his behavior, perfectly aligned and matching his beliefs. And so he is the one to whom we look alone. Not just his words, but his very work on our behalf. And so today, take hope. Jesus doesn't just give you a, you know, a spiritual mask. He clothes you. He covers you with his very righteousness. Spiritually speaking, when you come to know Jesus, as your Savior and Lord from your heart, all of your sins are forgiven, placed on him, spiritually on the cross, and he gives us all of his right standing before God. And that's how God the Father sees us. Isn't this not amazing? That God sees us in light of his very perfect son, Jesus. 
And so when he looks at you and me, Christ follower, he sees righteousness. I approve of you. <laughs> you stand joyfully and fully in front of me. And you are loved and accepted because of my son's perfect work. So today, look to Christ and him alone. There is no other hope. There is no other God. There's no, there is no other thrill or joy that you will find greater than Christ alone. He alone will set you free. He alone is the one you need. As you look to him by faith, more and more your behaviors will match your beliefs. As we together, many of us say, Lord, Christ, all other ground is sinking sand. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. I build my life. Not just my beliefs, but every part of my life. So as we come to the table today, may we come in reflection and repentance, not for the sins of others, but for our sins, who Christ, God placed on Christ, that we wouldn't just be sorry for our sins, but that we would turn from them by the power of Jesus, the Christ, and his grace. And so as we come to this beautiful table of nourishment and remembrance, let's reflect and confess this to our Lord. Lord, show me how I'm relying on anything other than you. Let's pray together. Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com, download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram at the Vine CC. Have a great week.